We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded All right, Panthers fans, holy crap, we are here on a post-Night 2 draft uh, podcast edition of The Roar. It's uh, John Ellis, Billy Marshall. Billy, how are you, buddy? Man, I am overwhelmed right now. <laughs> I can't cloud, believe this cloud team nine. actually <laughs> pull off what they pulled off. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, we're coming to you around midnight here, and... Uh, you know, Billy and I did this last night. We were going to do it again tonight. The Panthers, of course, have made uh, a, a a a hell of a night in terms of moves, trades, and uh, I, I'm telling you, Billy, I'll just start with you getting your initial impressions of what we've seen tonight. Four tremendous selections so far for this team. Uh, several tonight that that add to the J.C. Horn pick from last night. Your thoughts in general on what we've seen, and then we'll dive into the specifics. Yeah, so obviously, let's just go through, you know, just how they approached it. Obviously, yesterday there was discussions about potentially trading down. I felt like if they weren't going to trade down yesterday because they didn't want to miss out on a blue chip talent like Horn, then they had to do it today. And I was very skeptical just because this organization throughout its history doesn't do this. So when I saw the first trade, I was just sitting on my 
hands hoping another team would come up and then I saw Chicago come all the way up, which yeah. is a pretty steep come up. And then, um, you know, Carolina gets another third round pick, which I thought fantastic. And then um, they do another trade with the Browns and then they trade up a little bit and they trade oh. down again and trade down um, or they pick a player and they trade down again. There was just so much going on tonight. I feel like we have to go through each of the trades just to give you a grade on them. And then I also feel like I have to give you like a grade on the prospects because I feel like they drafted three really good players that all fit a position of need. They, they did. I mean, it started out obviously with the trade back with uh, uh, to get to 59 there. And, and that, you know, I think they raised some eyebrows. Of course, Twitter, you know, fans were upset because they saw – a number of players you and I talked about, the safeties, there was a run of safeties there early with Holland, with Grant. The, those guys went off the board, and then the tackle started disappearing. But I, I think w- when they moved back there, you had mentioned, you had done some sourcing on this, and it heard through the grapevine that Marshall w- was on the radar for Carolina. And to give you credit, that's something I had tried to track down throughout the day and couldn't get any feedback on. But, man, it, it just fell right to them at 59 uh, there. And when they made that pick, you know, I, I was able to get some intel early on on that and put it out there. Uh, I thought about you first because I said, you know, not only did, did you nail it, but they're getting who is considered by many evaluators out there to be a first-round talent. I thought that was a tremendous move, not only to get him, but to get him and get capital in return in doing so. Oh, I'm, I'm 100% with you, John. I thought that was a fantastic um, trade because like he was 34th in the consensus board uh-huh. so I mean he I mean if you just sat there at 39 and drafted him um, it would have been a fair pick but uh, what I want to do and I want to go through each of these trades let's do that let me let's let's frame it here I'm going to let you walk through the deals themselves here and how those were constructed and give you a chance to kind of elaborate on your grades on those and then we'll talk more about the players Okay, so there's two draft charts I primarily use. I use Rich Hill's draft chart, and Rich is he writes for Pat's Pulpit. He created this chart that I think Belichick uses, mm-hmm. and I also use the one that I think the Panthers use, and that's the Jimmy Johnson chart. So, um, because I think they're using the Jimmy Johnson chart, I'm going to go through um, the percentage value of each of these trades and kind of give you what was just a complete masterclass, in my opinion, of. Um, executing a draft. Uh, okay, so first pick, 39. They give up 39 and 151. So they're giving up a third and a fifth for, um, or excuse me, they're giving up a second and a fifth, 39 and 151, and they're getting Chicago second, Chicago's third, and Chicago sixth. Mm-hmm. So not a bad trade. Nope. By the Jimmy Johnson draft chart, the Panthers gained 4%. Um, of value in that situation. So at this point, Carolina now has three day two picks. The next trade, which again comes from an organization, the Browns that are very analytically savvy. Um, So here I feel like it was very even. Um, It, you know, Carolina gave up, um, they moved back seven spots, but what they did is they gave up their fourth round pick, but got Cleveland's, third round pick so essentially they moved up like uh, 20 spots in the third round from the fourth to the third um so it's a two percent um 
value that they said. But again, that's um, the PFF guys. They also said this was a Carolina just barely won this trade. Again, you're dealing with the organization like the Browns who have analytics guys all over the place. Right. Um, so another trade, which is, again, there was, it essentially was a wash according to Jimmy Johnson's chart was the trade up from 70 to 73. Carolina gave up their third round pick 73 and a sixth round pick that they got from Chicago 191 70. Yeah. So that was 0%. There wasn't any substantial change. So that was a pretty good deal as well. Um, But this one, I just, I felt that this was just, I don't even know. This was the masterpiece coming up here. I mean, my goodness, it was (laughs) Carolina gives up pick 89 to move back 20 spots with the Houston Texans. They get Houston's fourth, which is a pretty early fourth beginning tomorrow. 109, 158, and a 2022 fourth. Oh, my goodness. And that, that 2022 pick, Billy, I, that I've, could been be talking, the first I've been talking to evaluators all week about this, and one in particular told me that those picks next year are like gold because you've got extra time now with the combine coming back, presumably. And, John, more one-on-one time. the Texans that, that, might not have suck. Sean Watson. <laughs> exactly. And they might suck. They probably will suck. And that pick is going to be more like a, a low third than a high fourth or mid fourth. It's going to be, that's a great value trade right there. It's tremendous. So I'm, I'm going to read you a tweet here from Seth Walter, who does the sport, the analytics for ESPN sure. um, without the discount for the future year pick. And assuming it comes in the middle rounds, which is a very lofty goal considering Houston's quarterback situation, right. Carolina doubled the value of pick 89. So Panthers gained oh the equivalent of third rounders worth the value for that trade that's amazing so i mean i just have to compliment this is something we have never seen from a general manager because i've been preaching this so many years and i've been like watching these organizations like the ravens the vikings um the patriots and just so many like these top class organizations they value these draft picks this is something that you have to do like especially because like look at how tonight unfolded you still right. traded back, and you got a very good wide receiver prospect, and we'll discuss some of the issues with the red flags or whatever. You got a very good offensive tackle or a solid offensive tackle prospect and the same thing at the tight end. So you still got three prospects. You still accumulated picks. This is why I've always been preaching to trade down, no matter how good you are. Even just look at a team like the Ravens and – you know, they're like the best team in the NFL, or one of the best teams in the NFL, but they're always looking to replenish the roster. And I feel like, um, you know, that's the sort of uh, direction they should be going in. And they did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, and, you know, I, I we came into that first part of the second round here. I was just checking some of my phone here. Sorry for the delay there. Um and there was some – Rappaport had thrown out a report that the Panthers were looking to trade up. And that was like – that that didn't sound right to me because I had talked all week with people within the sources that I've talked to, especially one within the team that had said, no, look, our, our whole deal here is trading back. We're not looking to trade up. We're looking to move back. That was sort of their top priority coming in. It wasn't one specific player. It was accumulation. It was gathering as much capital as they can because they saw so many valuable people on the board – 
in the second and third round, they just wanted to accumulate. And so I reached out to a source and they said unequivocally that was a false report. That they, and that, that was the source's words, a false report. There was never an attempt at all to, to move up. So take that for what it's worth. And that's a uh, wrong I, 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 I just didn't see that as a remote possibility. So just trying to get that out there while we're at it. I, I do want to get your perspective because, again, we're not going to, um, you know, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, because, but I do know that you've been gathering some intel about the, um, about what's going on inside their, not necessarily their war room, but as far as their process and just their sure. plans go. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've, I've got several sources, as you do, around the league that are, are evaluators, that people that work around the league in different capacities. And, and one in particular I've been talking to here the past couple of months is very close to the Panthers situation and has a, a firm understanding of their board, what the process is, and it's been fascinating to, to talk with him about that. And um, I, I'm telling you, Billy, that some of the things I heard coming into this round just held true, that it was going to be about – working back through the second round into the third round through trades accumulating. And there were some names that were thrown out there. Christensen was one of the, the, the short list of names with Cosme and um, <clears throat> Walker, who they obviously date uh, Walker little, I believe was drafted before. And so Cosme was right before the pick where they traded out. And I'm told that the Cosme pick had very little to do with their thinking uh, Dale was a player. I, I, his last name escapes him, Billy. Just help me out. He's the edge guy from Vandy. Um, oh, yeah, Dale. There you go. Yeah, they they reportedly were were tracking him. That was, and I, I can't give you any more intel than this. That was a player that they were sort of falling with on the board, and he fell out. But they also had other players in mind with that. Christensen was one. They had others in mind along the way, and of course the the Marshall thing was just something that, that I heard as well. You know, I, I had talked to some people around the LSU program about this kid. And, uh, you know, like I said, feedback I got from an LSU assistant tonight after this went down, and, you know, you had had some intel on this as well, that Carolina is getting from him, his conversations with evaluators around the league and teams, multiple teams, that they had a first-round grade on this kid. And Carolina, yeah. in his words, is getting an absolute steal, a hard worker. And to me, when I look at the tape, just a physical Masin Muhammad type of guy. He's over 6'2", over 200 pounds. He's got the frame. Obviously, it's not perfect. There's some medical things you'll talk about in a minute. But, yeah, Billy, the, the big thing is that I take away from just the sourcing I've got talking to people around that situation is how airtight the process was and how true to the board they were and true to the process they were. We don't know how these players are going to pan out. That's a whole other discussion. That's why I don't do draft grades. But in terms of following the process, it's an A friggin' plus. They nailed it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm 100% with you. I just think this was um, something I mean, was, we haven't seen. It was superb. It was, you know, like I said, yesterday uh, with, with Fields, I, I, people were disappointed, but you and I talked that out last night, and I think we helped folks understand where the value with Horn was. And then today it was just all about, look, patience. There are a ton of players they viewed from the offensive tackle position that had starting caliber value all the way into the third round. So they weren't panicking. They weren't going to reach. They weren't going to sit there and assume that, okay, we have to stand pat and take one of these tackles that are here. No, let's bump back. Let's bump back. Let's maybe grab a receiver. Let's grab a tackle. I think those are two positions you and I talked about last night. Receiver, tackle. And boom, 
they go get it. And then they get themselves a tight end, too. A Manhurts type of H-back who has some, I guess, higher ceiling traits in the receiving game. Uh, Tremble, the kid from Notre Dame. Just a great night. <laughs> I mean, that's great. That was like another <laughs> one of my favorite picks. Yeah, I know that. I mean, let's 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 talk about it a little bit. So so player by player, let let me get your your analysis. You know, starting with Marshall here. You know, I gave you a little take on him myself. What what do you think of this kid? What are the medical issues? And then let's talk about the positives, the upside. Okay, so I think the first thing to start with him is just obviously he has the Joe Brady connection. Um, he's in my opinion, he's a very good athlete. Now again. He did not test at his um, – well, he did some work at his pro day. He had a 4440, 39-inch um, broad jump and a 10.5-inch um, – or excuse me, a 39-inch vertical, 10.5-inch broad, uh, 19 bench press. Didn't do any agility drills, the short shuttle or the three cone. So he's pretty explosive um, in that regard. And for, and for me, I think he has – uh, very good vertical ability. Uh, you look at his size and his stride length and his ability to run after the catch. Um, he has good hands, very good catch radius, especially um, in situations where he's probably not getting the separation you'd like. Um, but I thought he was a decent route runner and knew how to set up corners with the vertical stem. And uh, I thought he had pretty good head movement. Um, but I mean, overall, he's a long, fluid receiver, and he has those explosive traits that project pretty well to the vertical aspect of the game. And the guy I kind of compare him to maybe is, um, you know, another guy who came out of um, LSU, DJ Chark. Um, mm-hmm. So he could potentially be that kind of player. But uh, yeah, so let's get into the red flags, and, and this is something again that um, because you know when I was watching the second round unfold, I was seeing teams. Um, you know, take these offensive linemen that had that. I, I personally, I think offensive. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's tough to really tell. But I was just seeing a lot of teams in the second round um, take players with medical red flags. And the one player being Landon Dickerson, um, Jacksonville got the Walker Little. Um, mm-hmm. Walker Little, I think he's healthy now, but he hasn't played in a couple of years. The ACL uh, issues, right? We talked about that. Yeah. Uh, but let's just get into the red flags here with uh, with Marshall, uh, and maybe we'll bring on an orthopedic or someone who knows sports. Sure, yeah, no, uh, science a little better than us. But <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna go off Dane Brugler's draft guide here. Uh-huh. Um, so he missed three games as a sophomore due to a fractured left foot in 2000 September 2019 that required surgery, um, and he had I believe a broken left fibula that required surgery in high school. Now I'm not sure what the current issue is. Um, I, I've just, I've seen it thrown out there, but again, how much of this stuff do I really believe? Because it's, it's, it's all over the place as far as the medicals are concerned. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with, with, with all the medical stuff and, and even with some of the – it's sort of like the character issue stuff. you got to be careful with what you put out there without confirming it because you don't want to tear a guy's draft stock down before. But but now that we're kind of post-draft here, we can take a closer look at it. And obviously we'll get somebody with some more medical expertise to uh, kind of give us their perspective on that. I will say this, you know, Matt Bowen, who puts out – we talked to Matt a couple weeks ago, of course, right here on the pod. 
And here's his analysis on Marshall. Joe Brady will scheme him up, run the Michael Thomas route tree, deep end breakers, slot fades, shallows, crossers, middle of the field targets, inside matchups. And on that point, you know, I look back at some of his tape after, you know, they made the pick. And he does. He plays slot, Billy. He plays outside, inside. He's very versatile for a big guy. And I like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, there was someone who compared him to Chris Godwin. Uh, I mean, that would be. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and, and then look at, look at players who fall in that range in the draft, typically, that are receivers. You end up getting some, some gems at times. So who knows? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like Seattle took a 24-year-old wide receiver, like two spots ahead of us, and then right. the Rams took a receiver who's not even 150 pounds. Exactly. You and I were talking about that on Twitter. It's like, thank you, LA. Thank you, Seattle, because it's just th- those weren't the guys I was I was particularly fond of for for our scheme. But yeah, I, I think I think Terrace Marshall's just tremendous. And again, just talking to an LSU assistant tonight, um, he's adamant that this this guy from multiple NFL you know, teams he talked to, and he's talked to all of them, but multiple were saying this is a first-round talent. So I put a lot of stock into that. Um, and obviously, you know, Brady Christensen. I mean, this is a kid who protected uh, Zach Wilson's blind side, mm-hmm. you know, was an AP All-American. Uh, yep. You know, obviously he's, he's got great footwork from what I've seen, good hands. They, they talked about one of the scouting ports, good choppy footwork for pass protection. I saw some run cuts of him on film. And he was doing a good job pulling, plowing. I, yeah. I think, you know, he's got some things to work on there in terms of pass pro maybe, but he's 6'6", just over 300. It's what you look for in a left tackle. Yeah, and I think a theme with these three picks is they're all elite athletes, and that's that's what you want to see here. Yep. Um, so uh, let's just get into Christensen. The, the first thing that is a red flag, in my opinion, is his age. He's going to be 25 um, by – October of this year. Well, he's 24. Older than, he's older than Joe Brady. It's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's 24 and a half years old right, right now. Um, and and that's, that's a pretty old prospect. I think he redshirted 2017. And then, you know, because mm-hmm. he's at BYU, they do the missions and all the Mormon, right. um, you know, obligations that go with that program. So, you know, but so setting that aside, um, Again, this isn't a red flag, but this is just that context to some of the stats you might be seeing because I know PFF rated him um, in that second, third round, but he had some pretty good numbers from PFF. But that was because, again, the level of competition that he was facing on a week-in, week-out basis right. probably wasn't the best. And that's why um, when I see the athletic testing him you know, running a 48940, a 34-inch vertical, 10-inch, 10 and four inch broad, four, five, two short shuttle, seven, three, three, three cone and 30 bench press. Uh, I, I get excited. Um, so I, I think his feet are really good. Uh, he has a pretty good base and he can, you know, execute blocks in the perimeter and downfield. I think, you know, get him when, you know, the Panthers like do those uh, tunnel screens and get the, exactly. uh, you know, tackles into space. That's, that's what he's known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, to me, I, again, um, I think he has everything you, you look for out of a left tackle prospect. And I think this is a much wiser pick than when they uh, went with Greg Little a couple of years ago. Uh, again, another small downside is the arm length. And how is that going to factor into his projections? 32 and 
a quarter uh, arm yeah, length. Yeah, but this is the year of the arm length. But this is like alligator arms year. They're all the, all these guys have the Paul Alexander's been talking about it. They're all uh, borderline, you know, in that 32, 33 range where you don't really want to be under that that benchmark. But uh, no, you're right. I mean, that's one thing you got to be concerned about to a degree. Yeah, I think he actually played guard coming out of uh, high school. Right. Um, he was a basketball player in high school and a center fielder too. So uh, I, I think that Athlete. when you watch his footwork, you, you can see some of the um, the basketball type of you know f- feet that you would see, especially for guys playing in the post a lot, um, using his pivot foot to make moves and um, you know really kind of showing off that agility that really kind of stands out light feet as i like to say and staying balanced right. um you know throughout the contact uh, but yeah that that was a that was a very exciting pick yeah and then uh you know tommy trimble who i know you like a lot and i'm not as familiar with with trimble but i'm catching up i saw some of his you know action with notre dame of course they they went against uh clemson and you know that he's He's had quite a bit of uh, playing time in terms of the run blocking. Hasn't had a whole lot of action past the game. He's got 35 career catches, 401 yards. But what I like about him, he's, he's got, you know, sort of the, again, those basketball skills we talk about. He's a great athlete. And I think Matt really talked about in the presser, he's a violent player. He plays with violence. Or maybe, that, no, that's what he said himself. Tommy said in his presser, I play with violence. And I, I love the attitude. I love how fiery he is. Um, and you can see when I put on some of the tape tonight, just some of the clips I saw, um, he's pretty smooth as a route runner. He's got potential. He's got a bit of a ceiling there as far as a producer in the passing game. But obviously, he's an H-back type. He's a blocker. W- what is your assessment on Trimble? Because I know you've seen quite a bit of him. Yeah, so uh, Tommy Trimble, he has NFL bloodlines. His dad actually won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys in 1995. That's right. Um, and he's Greg. from Georgia. He's not not – too far down the road. So, um, you know, for him, again, it's the athleticism that just stands out. The RAS was pretty good. Um, I'll bring that up here. Um, That was, let me reference it, uh, 8.91. Yeah, he was upper eights. Yeah, he was really good on the grading there. 8.91. And, you know, coincidentally enough, I think that's like the lowest scored guy they've taken so far, uh, which kind of speaks to, you know, the athletes they're bringing in. And, you know, Billy, just real quick, you you, you and I got to know each other last draft season before we started our pod. And, and you helped me introduce myself a little bit to the RAS stuff because, you know, I, I hadn't scouted that as closely as I should have probably. And I always knew you took a lot of stock into that. That's why one of the reasons you looked at like a Derek Brown grading a little lower in some areas, that was some skepticism. But it obviously th- this, I think I, it hits your spot in a good way because they are drafting for athleticism as much as anything right now. And I think that speaks to what you like. Yeah, I actually use Spark more. Okay. Um, Zach Whitman, who created the the website Three Sigma Athlete, I think he, um, you know, he unfortunately might have had some other priorities come up, um, so I don't think he's uh, doing that anymore. But the Spark was one that I really kind of referenced. Res is, um, yeah, again, it's another athletic composite score similar to Spark. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of has the same principles again as combining the athleticism of a prospect and putting it to one score. And that's, uh, Kent, that's and, Kent Lee, by the way. Kent Lee, what's his last name? I forget. Uh, I think his uh, name is Kent Platt, Lee. Something like that. He's Math Bomb on Twitter. He's really good. Yeah, Math. Kent Lee Platt. Yeah. Huh? Um, so 46340, 36 and a half inch vertical, uh, 10 and 2 inch broad, 20 bench press reps. Didn't do the short shuttle or three cone Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but let me just say, I was watching the actually the NFL Network broadcast, and Jeremiah compared him to George Kittle, which uh, <laughs> he didn't. I didn't see that. Oh my God, that's a that's a nice comp. Um, Jesus. But you have to remember, Kittle also I think was a fourth or fifth rounder when he came out um, of Iowa. But wow. but it's it's the same type of prospect as far as like Kittle was asked to block a ton at Iowa. Right. And you go to this, these pro-style offenses at Notre Dame, which is what they have, uh, that's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be primary, lining up primary in line and in the backfield, and he's gonna, just going to show his strengths. I mean, he was a physical blocker. He really knows how to um, develop or kind of deliver that oomph at the yeah. point of contact. He, I mean, he flashes the physical hands and – uh, he, I think he he looks like a guy who spends a lot of time in the weight room. Yeah. I think he, he, I just think his entire blocking skill set is very very attractive, and um, it, it seems. And I'm like Dane Brugler's report says that scouts say he is extremely well liked in the program because he is hardworking and humble. Um, so yeah, that's something that to keep in mind. Again, the production from the tight end position really isn't great. Again, it's similar to Ian Thomas a couple of years ago. Um, but let's just keep this in mind. They already have their starting tight end and Dan Arnold, who's more of a pass catching athleticism guy. But I think with this guy and 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 what you're getting from Trumbull as opposed to Thomas is that um, Trumbull is sort of a Chris Manhurts replacement. And I think we've discussed that they need to really find a replacement for Manhurts. And I think this is the type of guy to do that. They did for not only Manhurts, but some of the things Alex Arma brought to the table as well as a multi. Yeah, I agree. Guy. They, I mean, you and I talked about losing the fullback and then, you know, this is a guy who can step in occasionally in 21 personnel and, and kick into fullback and, and lead blocks. So that's good too. And I, I oh, think, you yeah. know, with, Matt Bowen had talked to, you know, I love Bowen's evals because they're real concise to the point. His, his on-spot eval was uh, on Tommy Trimble. Does have the ability to develop as a receiver, uh, middle of field throws, but it's the run game right now. Can play in line, kick out on split flow schemes, block in space, technique on contact, looks to finish defenders. And Matt knows his shit as much as anybody. And I, I like the end part of that, knows how to finish. He's a finisher. It shows on tape. I've seen a little bit of that. I know you have too. And he's got the right attitude. He's a hard worker. He's a Matt Rule type of guy, um, other than not playing for Baylor or Temple, which is refreshing that they're, you know, not going into that pool too much. It it, it just it 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 speaks to not only the athleticism traits they look for, but uh, the mindset and the culture they're trying to build. I love the pick. Yeah. So I think he, um, again, similar to Ian Thomas, he was kind of under, underutilized as a receiver at Notre Dame, but. Uh, again, I think that his upside is much greater, and he already has the skill set to start on day one to become, um, you know, their blocking tight end, either in line or uh, as an H back. No question. Well, let's put a bow on this thing because it's getting a little late here. It's past twelve thirty. Tomorrow we've got uh, one hundred nine, one fifty eight, one ninety three, two hundred four, two twenty two, which is a compensatory at the end of the draft there. What what are you looking for on day three here, Billy? Um, you know, it's interesting. Usually, the, you know, the fourth round, I think they're going to take someone they had a second or third round grade on. And according to Matt Rule during his presser tonight, he said that they're, they still have some guys that they have given a second or third round grade to. Sure. 
So we'll, we'll see where they go. I would personally, I, I wouldn't mind um, defensive line. Tommy Togiai is still available. I really like him a lot. Uh, I wouldn't mind going back to offensive tackle. Um, you know, I, I like Stone Foresight. He's a guy from Florida. Uh, you know, why not just continue to add competition there? Uh, you know, defensive line, maybe continuing to add competition, you know, at the edge rush, Quincy Roche, maybe in the fourth or fifth round. Um, I, I just think they really can't go wrong tomorrow. That's pretty much kind of where I'm at. Even, I don't know, like, what I mean, there's Michael Carter still on the board, you know. They, yeah, the, I've, I, I was told, like, running back, they could be taking a running back. you got Gainwell's on the board. I mean, they, you, you've got all sorts of, of guys that slip. Shy Smith, if they want another receiver. I mean, I don't know if they'll go there. You've got good linebackers still on the board with um, – ah, who was it, the kid from uh, – Triple Cox. Yeah, Cox is still out there. Um, Roundtree, another running back. Um if you want to go defensive tackle, you've got uh, Twyman from Pitt. You've got Nixon, uh, Nixon yeah, from Iowa. Uh, you got uh, the kid from USC you mentioned. Uh, Tufeli. Yeah, absolutely. Tufeli from USC, Togia from Ohio State. Royce Newman, guard from Mississippi. You've got interior offensive linemen out yeah, there. Yeah, interior offensive line is looking strong. Trey Smith is still available. Yep, he is. And, you know, I know Minerts got gobbled up, but that was bound to happen. Um, he went later than I thought, but, you know, these things do happen. I, I know they, there were a couple names. Aaron Banks was, you know, I can confirm through a, a source close to the team that that was somebody they were very much in, 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 in line for, were looking at seriously until the trades kind of got, uh, you know, got worked into that. But, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that speaks to what they're looking at in terms of, you know, they, they still I mean, want to beef up on the inside on both lines. You know, safety also, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, Nazrul Dean is out there. Jamar Johnson, um, Ardarius Washington from TCU, and Caden Stearns, Texas, Gillespie from Missouri. Uh, Again, I think that the board presents some good opportunities for them. Now, I don't know which direction they're going to go in, but um, you're not going to hear me complain whatever they do. Even if they take a a quarterback, I'm not really going to complain like – I'm not going to like it maybe, but I'm just going to like shrug it off and say whatever. That's what they did. At this so. point, yeah, they've, they've done so well at this point. Just yeah. process-wise, it's, we've, we've dealt with so many years of, of the Herney and, and you know, the Gettleman and things being – and, you know, they're those, they may – you know, Herney going back way back in the time machine. He've, I, I posted some of the second-round picks he's made over the years. He, they did some good things. But just process-wise, it wasn't buttoned down as nicely as this. This just flowed so much better tonight. I was real pleased. Yeah, no, I, I just think like tonight was an example of how like a professional organization <laughs> should be operating. Right. And that's this is the sort of things I've been, you know, hoping for. And you know, coincidentally enough, um, you know, Gettleman then traded down twice and <laughs> they've been getting good players. And I actually like Washington's draft too, but I don't think Herney really has anything to do with that. I think it's Martin Mayhew and Rivera running the they show do, there. Yeah, exactly. That's Ron's show and Martin's I mean, they've drafted some good players, um, Washington and the Giants. But, yeah, I, I just think, like, um, th- this is sort of, like, why you hire a guy like Scott Fetter who came from Seattle where they do – where this is kind of, like, how they go through. Yeah, I, look, I, I'll be honest. I've had a chance to talk to somebody who worked for Scott 
who is who has worked for Scott before and now works for Scott now, two different individuals, and they both said the same. And we talked to people, Doug Farrar, Sam Farmer, people that knew Scott years back and had told us on our podcast, Billy, that this is what you can expect from Scott, just a really good process and just real good construction in terms of the way they scheme things out. And the, the current individual who works with Scott, is, it was just, you've just been raving about how great the culture is right now in terms of the front office. So I'm glad to hear that positive vibes. And, uh, you know, hey, Big big day tomorrow. Let's finish strong, man. Yeah, yeah. There's still plenty of talent on the board. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, who knows? Maybe we might uh, trade down again and really kind of make That's us good. happier. Make 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 some more hay for next year too. Get you another 2022 pick. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, that's 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 the we're gonna have scouts going back onto campuses and doing all the pro days and all the stuff again and really getting good intel. So that's. You know, how you want to approach it, go for it. And uh, we can't be remiss without mentioning that despite the draft ending tomorrow, we also have the undrafted free agents. So oh, yes. Sure, Love sure it. Your DMs and your text messages that you're getting directly from a source inside that war room is going to be heating up tomorrow. So make sure you have, you have your phone charged. Set your alerts, folks. <laughs> be ready. We're going to have a fun day tomorrow. Horan Christensen, Marshall Tremble. It's a tidy board right now for Carolina. And we got more fun tomorrow. For Billy Marshall, John Ellis, thanks for listening to the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire. We will talk to you tomorrow. Hey, guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup, Rocky, from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.